This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to the Life Study Program on Free FM 89.0. I'm Stuart Finlay. Life Study of the Bible is produced by Living Stream Ministry Anaheim, California and brought to you by the Church in Hamilton. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. Today it's Ed Marks with Witness Lee with our program in the Life Study of the Gospel of John. The verses are John chapter 12, verses 12 through 36, and the title is Life's Issue and Life's Multiplication. If you'd like to contact us, our telephone number is Hamilton 853-2620, which we will repeat again later. Now here's Ed and Witness Lee. Ed, could you give us a little background on today's message from the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 12? Well, we've seen thus far from John, chapter 3 through John, chapter 11, is a long section showing us how Christ, as the divine, eternal life of God, meets the need of every man's case. And we went through all those cases in a marvelous way. Then when we come to John, chapter 12, we see the issue of life. What is the issue of Christ as life meeting the need of every man's case? The issue of life is a house of feasting. And this house of feasting is a miniature of what our church life should be. In that house, there was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary was there loving the Lord. Martha was there serving the Lord. And Lazarus was there as one who was raised from the dead by Christ, testifying of the Lord as the resurrection life. This shows us that the issue of our enjoyment of Christ as life should be the church life. And where is the church life in the New Testament? The church life is in the homes of the believers. It's there in our homes as we meet together and we fellowship together that we enjoy the wonderful, cherishing nourishing presence of our wonderful Lord Jesus. What is marvelous about this meeting in the home of Simon the leper is that Mary, in her love for the Lord, poured the ointment out on him, the precious ointment, and it says the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. This means that in our homes, when we gather together as believers, our home should be filled with the fragrance of our loving the Lord Jesus. Now we want to go further in John 12 to see life's multiplication. The issue of life is a house of feasting. But what Christ wants is he wants this issue to be multiplied. So now what we're going to see today on the broadcast is life's multiplication for the church through Christ's death and resurrection. Let's go to Witness Lee with today's life study of John chapter 12. 
In chapter 12, you have a church, but so small. Right? So small in number, so small in size, so small in the growth of life. So small. Now how could this church be multiplied? This is now our message. Life's multiplication through death and resurrection. In chapter 12, it was a golden time, humanly speaking, to Jesus. Why? Because of the resurrection of Lazarus, many Jews turned to him. When he came, they greeted him with a big, warm welcome. Not only so, even the Greeks were seeking after him. My, if we were there, we all would say, praise the Lord. Now is the time. But the Lord Jesus was not so excited. He was not excited. The more he was welcome, the more he became calm. He was not excited. He didn't jump up and shout, Hallelujah. No. But he told the seekers he was a grain of wheat. By what way a grain of wheat could be multiplied? Not by being welcome. Not by being lifted up. No. But by being <laughs> put into the ground uh, to die there. This is absolutely contrary to our human concept. Lord Jesus didn't take the golden opportunity for his increase. If you read the church history, you could see whenever the church had an increase, there was not a golden opportunity, but always a persecution. When the enemy put the church into death, I said, that is the time for the church to get increased. The persecution in the Roman Empire didn't frustrate the increase, the growth of the church in the first two centuries. You know, what damaged the church? The welcome of the Roman Empire. When the Roman Empire turned its persecution opposition to welcome, that ruined the church life. Don't be excited by man's welcome. Man's welcome always will be ruin to you, will be corruption to you. Rather, man's persecution, man's opposition, praise the Lord, is the golden opportunity for the increase of Jesus. He is a grain of wheat. And there's no other way that the one grain of wheat could have an increase. The only way for this grain of wheat to have an increase is to be put into debt. To fall into the ground and to die there and to get the chance to grow up. I tell you, this growing up will bring forth many grains. And this is the multiplication of life. 
Let's pause here, Ed. A principle has been opened up in this section that is absolutely contrary to our natural view and understanding, and that is that in the spiritual realm, the time of increase is not when the outward environment is easy, but instead when the climate seems to be the most hostile. Could you explain this a bit more? Yes, this picture in John twelve twenty four is very graphic. Here the Lord is. He's coming into Jerusalem. And this is a day when everybody is praising him. They're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Of course, this was after he had resurrected Lazarus. This news had gone out, and everyone was excited. Even this chapter records that there were some Greeks among those who were at the feast to worship God, who wanted to see Jesus. No doubt the disciples were very excited. According to our natural concept, we would think this is a day of great glory for Jesus, a day of great glory, humanly speaking, in his position, in his outward situation. He was being praised by man. Then all of a sudden, the Lord makes this statement. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. According to our natural concept, we would think this is a day of great glory for the Lord in his position. But this is not the divine concept of the way to be glorified. After the Lord said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. For a grain of wheat to be praised and uplifted, the grain can never be glorified that way. A grain of wheat is glorified by falling into the ground, dying, and coming up in resurrection to bear many grains as its fruit. That is its glory. Well, this is what the Lord did. He went to the cross. His going to the cross to die for us was his falling into the ground and dying. And then he rose from the dead to produce us as the many grains who are the constituents of the church. What this shows, too, is that the church flourishes when it is in a situation of death. That's when the one grain is multiplied into many grains. History tells us that when the Roman Empire persecuted the church, the church flourished in both life and numbers. Then Constantine became the ruler of the Roman Empire, and he warmly welcomed the faith of the Christians. When the Christians were warmly welcomed by the Roman Empire and by the world, this is when the worldly influence and element came into the church. And Revelation 2 tells us that at that time, Satan's throne was in the church. This is very serious. And we always need to be warned whenever we are warmly welcomed by the world. In Luke 6.26, the Lord Jesus told us, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. When all men speak well of us, we should be warned. Of course, we need to bear a good testimony before men. But when we follow the Lord Jesus absolutely, people will oppose us. If we look throughout the book of Acts, we see that they were always in a hostile environment, the early Christians. But in that hostile environment, it says repeatedly in Acts, the word of God grew and multiplied. 
This is actually the multiplication of the one grain into many grains through falling into the earth, dying, being broken, and coming up in resurrection for the multiplication and increase of Christ as life. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. Many missionaries went to China, south. They were gold missionaries. Gold missionaries sent there. But I say again, up to now, history proves not much result. But among those many missionaries, there was a little sister by the name Margaret Barber. M.E. Barber. She got settled in a little town by the name Pagoda, close, very close to Brother Nee, Wafan Nee's hometown. And she stayed there purposely not to visit any places. She just stayed there. In a sense, I tell you, the Lord just sold her there as a grave. And she stayed there for years, then 1929, she died there. When Brother Nee was young, many young people went to her to get help. She was deep in the Lord, and she was very strict. She used to rebuke the young ones. And Brother Nee told me, eventually, after a few years, all the young ones couldn't stand her rebuking. And Brother Nee told me, eventually, he was the only one that would uh, still keep going to contact her and to present himself to her for rebuke. And she did. <laughs> My point is this, up to now, history tells us she was the seed sown there. And Brother Nee was another grain that grows out of that seed. And this seed that grows out of that seed becomes a worldwide ministry of life to so many people. I tell you, this is the way of the increase in life. It is not a matter of golden opportunity. In 1940, Brother Ni had a training in Shanghai. Brother Ni used to tell us that the work that the Lord needs is not an outward activity, but the flow of the inner life. You know, what number he had in his training? Not more than 80, not a big crowd, less than 100 people. A small number sitting there under his training. He was satisfied with a small number. And whenever he, he had a conference, the most, not over 350 people. That's the most. A small number. The work, he said, is the overflow of the inner life. The work is not the outward activity, but the outflow of the inward life. I was there. I saw that. I also saw the issue 
our brother's ministry is now to minister life to God's elect. I tell you, brothers, today the principle is the same. This is the work not of activity, but of life. And this is the way for the Lord's increase. By what? Not by our activity, but by the increase of the inward life. Don't look at today's present situation. So many things in today's Christian field are just artificial. No life there. Praise the Lord. Let's break in here again. Ed, here's another strong point. Witness Lee, recounting a lesson that he learned from Watchmanee, points out that success that comes easily and spreads up quickly usually is not that genuine and may not be something of life. Can you share more about the need for the Christian work to be the outflow of life? Yes, we need to follow the footsteps of our dear Lord Jesus in his earthly ministry. As we live him out, the life that we live will be a life of falling into the ground and dying and coming up in resurrection to bear much fruit. A brother Lee told a very precious story about Emmy Barber going to China and being like a seed sown into the earth there to sow herself actually to gain one person, and that was Watchman Nee. Now we see that Brother Watchman Nee's ministry has become a worldwide ministry of life. This example and illustration shows us that our ministry and our work for the Lord shouldn't be one of lifeless activity, but it should be the outflow of the inner life within us. With the Lord Jesus, it seemed that when he came back to Jerusalem, this was a golden opportunity for him to be well-known, to be welcomed. But this is not the way of the Lord Jesus. The way of the Lord Jesus is to fall into the ground and die so that the shell of his humanity can be broken and the life within him can be released. We need to realize that any Christian work that does not flow out of the life of Christ within us does not count in the eyes of God. We need to reject all our natural activity, all our fleshly endeavors to do something for God, and we need to work in the flow of the Spirit within us. Brother Watchman Nee said something marvelous one time, he said, the work in the flowing of the Holy Spirit is not a burden, but a rest. Many Christian workers, they work much, but there's a lot of strain and struggle in their work because that work is not a work in the flow of the Spirit within them. All our work, I would like to say again, all our work and service in the Christian life must be the outflow of the inner life of Christ from our spirit. Let's return to Witness Lee. Now, I come to another point. In this book, in chapter 1, we are told, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Then in chapter 3, verse 14, the Lord Jesus said, He will be lifted up as the brass serpent on the cross. You have the Lamb of God, you have the brass serpent, 
Now in chapter 12, the Lord says, He is just a grain of wheat. Three figures. Never forget. The Lamb of God, the serpent, and the grain of wheat. Three figures. When she was nailed on the cross, in the first sentence, he was the Lamb of God there, bearing our sins, shedding his blood to wash us. This is the first sentence. Every real Christian does know this sentence. But not many Christians do know the second sense. The second aspect, that is, the Lord Jesus was in the form of the serpent crucified on the cross to destroy the serpentine nature within our being and to destroy the old serpent. The first aspect is the redeeming aspect. The second aspect is the Satan-destroying aspect. And the third aspect is the life-releasing aspect. The divine life was in that little Jesus. And that little Jesus was just like a grain of wheat. The life is concealed in that grain. And that grain of wheat needs to be broken that the inward life may be released. Could you see this? So never forget Christ on the cross was the lamb, was also the serpent in form, and was also a grain of wheat. By one death, he accomplished three purposes. He took away our sins, he destroyed Satan, the old serpent, and he released the divine life from within him to produce many grains. Hallelujah. By his death, our sins have been removed. By his death, our serpentine nature has been dealt with, and by his death, we all have been imparted with life. We are no more sinners. No more serpentine, but now we are regenerated. We are the many grains of that one grain. And the many grains are just good for making one big loaf, which is the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, by his death, we are redeemed. And now, by his death, we are recovered. And now by his death, we have the divine life. And now by his death, we are overcoming the world. <clears throat> now, we as the many grains composed together are just the body. And all these living grains composed together become the one loaf, which is the church. Praise him. Ed, I like this last section. Our view of all that was accomplished in the Lord's death has really been expanded. It seems like we care most about the redemption that flows out of his death. But maybe you could say something about the aspect of Satan being dealt with by his death and also the many grains being produced and formed into the church, the body. We need to be impressed with these three pictures in John that show us the significance of the death of Christ. Firstly, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
This is the redeeming aspect of his death. Secondly, he was lifted up on the cross as a brass serpent to destroy Satan and annul the serpentine nature within man. This is the Satan-destroying aspect of Christ's death. Thirdly, he fell into the ground as a grain of wheat to release the life within him to produce many grains for the multiplication of life and the building up of the church. This is the life-releasing aspect of his death. Many Christians emphasize strongly the redeeming aspect of his death, and we should emphasize the redeeming aspect of his death. But we also need to go on to see the Satan-destroying aspect of his death. John 3.14 tells us Christ was the reality of the brass serpent which Moses lifted up in Numbers chapter 21. When Christ was lifted up on the cross, Hebrews 2.14 tells us that through his death, he destroyed the devil. His death was a devil-destroying death. This is really marvelous. We need to praise the Lord for his devil-destroying death. Not only that, his death on the cross has a very positive aspect. This is the life-releasing aspect. When Christ died on the cross, the shell of his humanity was broken, and the glory of his divinity with his divine life was released. That released divine life produced many grains. Actually, we believers in Christ are the many grains produced by Christ as the one grain falling into the ground and dying and coming up in resurrection. 1 Corinthians 10.17 tells us that the church is one bread or one loaf. We have become a loaf through the life-releasing aspect of Christ's death. So we need to praise the Lord for the redeeming aspect of his death. We need to praise the Lord for the Satan-destroying aspect of his death. And we need to praise him for the life-releasing aspect of his wonderful death on the cross. Amen. A very clear picture. Thank you, Ed. The second part of John chapter 12 shows how the Lord can increase the church through his death and resurrection by falling into the ground to die. In this chapter, the Lord's death is not revealed as a redeeming death, but as the producing, generating death. According to this chapter, by his death, the Lord had his incarnation shell, his body broken, that he might accomplish three purposes, to produce the many grains, draw all men to himself, and to release the divine element, the eternal life, and to judge the world and cast out its ruler. What a wonderful picture. We'd love to hear from you and to also point you to the Living Stream website, which is www.lsm.org. We have copies of the recovery version of the New Testament, which is full of helpful footnotes, and these are free. We'd love to send you a copy. You can call us on Hamilton 853-2620. Again, 853-2620. Or you can order a free copy from Bibles for New Zealand at bfnz.org.nz. Their phone number is 0800 40 40 80. Join me again next week at the same time, 2.30pm, when we will have the next life study in the book of John. Today we close with the hymn, If I'd Know Christ's Risen Power, and it's from the CD, Lord of All Hope.
You're listening to Free FM 89.0, a great station supported by New Zealand On Air. We hope you've enjoyed today's life study program and thank you for joining us.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.